0: Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this Word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember... you I guess if you want, what I want to do today, this morning, is I want to start off with Habakkuk and then eventually end with Moses not sure exactly the dynamics of how we'll do this but this is what we'll do you could open up to Habakkuk chapter one for now and just wait on me and if you're taking notes which you should be taking notes the best place to take notes is in the house of the Lord amen and if, if you are go ahead and write this down on the top you could underline this and circle this or whatnot and it's this it's we can't hurry God write that down we can't hurry God maybe maybe look at someone right there and just nudge them and say you can't hurry God can't hurry God, can't hurry God, can't hurry God, can't hurry God, can't hurry God. Uh, how many of you live life in a hurry? The rest of you are liars. No, <laughs> like three hands went up. Okay, There's no way that only three people in here are living. But But we understand, right, in our culture here, in our city here, what it is to live in a hurry, what it is to live in traffic. And, you know, it's crazy because... Traffic causes us to be in a greater hurry just because it's slow. And sometimes it's the same way with God. He slows down traffic, which causes you to try to hurry him. But he might be teaching you something in the slow, in the slow traffic. Moving. I mean, he, you know, sometimes when you move slower, you might enjoy the moment that you're in. They're, you're in traffic and you're bumper to bumper and you're like, I need to hurry up and I need to go home and I need to get around these people. But what you don't understand is that if you look to a the left, there might be a beautiful sunset that God wants to show you. But we're such in a hurry. Now, but I'm only talking to three of you today. So, so, so yeah, I wish it was more of you, you know. So hopefully those three will be blessed today with this. But uh, I, I want to ask you guys, what do you know about the Chicago Mass Choir, The Yeah, Chicago Mass Choir. What do you know about them? I, I want to show a clip. And maybe we could darken it up. Maybe we could get soul in here. And, and listen, I wish all of you had tambourines today. Not every Sunday, because then you would draw the, drive the worship team crazy. But at, at least for right now, <laughs> I wish all of you had some tambourines right now. Just, just watch this, and we'll end it some, at some point within the video. This just touched me this week. Check this dude out. I want to... Hurry, God. No, no, no. It just got to... Listen, listen. God, you can't hurry. be time, don't feel worry. It may not come when you want it. It may not come when you want it. Here it is. Here it is. Ready? You can't hurry, God. You can't hurry, God. You can't hurry, God. Do it got to trust him and give him time. No matter how low Come on, brother. One more time. who yeah. right. can't He'll be there. Be there. Don't you worry. He he Oh, man, you've got to put Yeah, man, you can't hurry God, I said you can't hurry God, you can't mess with that man, today's message is titled, we can't hurry God, we can't hurry, and and that's the message with that tone can't hurry, God. So when you're on that traffic, you're waiting for that blessing. You're waiting for your husband. You're waiting for your wife. You're waiting for your raise. You're waiting for that person to get healed. You get to a place and you're like, I can't hurry, God. Yeah. I can't hurry. And it does something to you. I, I want to open up and in the book of Habakkuk, and I wish I could just sit here, but I have a lot of scripture that I want to eventually drop today. Maybe eventually I'll do a book study on Habakkuk, but you'll get somewhat of an understanding. And, and the book of Habakkuk is, is, is great for many reasons. Habakkuk, I want you to see this. He lives in a time where he sees the threat of Babylon and its rising against Israel. And he recognizes this is not going to go good for us. Babylon is dangerous and Israel doesn't look good right now. And you have to understand Habakkuk is a prophet. And as a prophet you read the story and you read the book of Habakkuk and it never shows Habakkuk speaking on behalf of God to the people of Israel which is very strange because whether it's minor or major prophets you'll see that they have a a word of the Lord for the people of God. But in this, this specific book you see that He's not speaking on the behalf of God to Israel. Instead, he's kind of more like Job. He's kind of more like Job. And what I mean by that is he is coming before God and he's addressing God with complaints, he, he, with worries and concerns that he has as a prophet in Israel. Maybe you'll understand if we just jump right into the text. In, in chapter 1, I'm going to read real quick from verses 2 to 4. Listen to Habakkuk's struggle. Listen to his cry before the Lord. It says like this. It says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? We could just pause there for a moment and just have a great conversation about how that sounds to some of us. Because how many of you, like Habakkuk, have been there where you've cried out to the Lord and you said, Lord, I'm calling for help. Lord, I've addressed you with this issue time and time again, but it's like you don't listen. Ever been there? You just don't. Do you get what I'm going through? Do you are you even there? Are you awake? Are you alert? And then the enemy starts playing tricks on you, and then you start to actually think this: Is God even real? <laughs> and and, and we, we get into this dark place, but here's a backup. He sees the threat of Babylon and he's crying out to the Lord. He's like, I'm calling you for help, but I don't think you're listening to me. Look what he says next. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. I live in a violent place, a violent world, but you don't come to save. verse 3, but I must, I, sorry, must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery wherever I look? I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. My goodness gracious, this sounds like the United States of America. Because when we study the book of Habakkuk, you'll recognize that the book of Habakkuk is actually for many other nations like Babylon that will come. Babylon was not just one nation. There are many Babylonian nations that have risen since Babylon. Okay? So, so the book of Babylon was not just for Babylon. For the many other nations that have the spirit of Babylon in them to come. So when I read this, it triggers, it ticks me off and 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 it makes me mad and it makes me smile all at the same time. Because when I read the book of Habakkuk, it's almost like, oh my gosh, I'm reading text that is about my very own country that I live in and I love. And he's here and he's crying out to the Lord like there's evil and there's violence and there's people that are a mess. Everywhere I look, there's misery where I, where I see destruction. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. And if you have a social media account, you know exactly what I'm talking about. One represents red, one represents blue, one represents the elephant, the other represents the donkey. And my goodness, it's, it's sad and dumb. And it's just like, you're both in Christ, but you both make no sense in Christ. And then I could, I could, I could see Habakkuk and I could, and I could feel his pain for his people in Israel. And, 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 and look at verse 4. The law has become paralyzed. Meaning they don't even follow the Torah. They don't even follow your laws anymore. There is no justice in their courts. My goodness. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. The things that are good are now called bad. The things that are of light are called darkness. And the things that are of darkness are called light. The things that are bad are called good. Those are the days that you and I live in today. I mean, my goodness, if you bow down to pray, they persecute you. But God forbid, if you bow down for anything else, they praise you. I'm not debating whether I stand for the people that bow or not. That's not what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about if we honor the one who bows before the flag, you better honor the one that bows before the King in prayer. Amen. So, so, so this is the world we live in. This is the this is we're fighting and we're arguing, and there's bitterness and there's darkness, right? There's all these things going on in our country and in our very. This is nothing new to us. Habakkuk was going through the same thing. I, figured you'd be, you'd feel, I figure if I get a little into it like this and I'll, I'll show you some personal things that are going on in our country, you will be like, oh, snap, I get exactly what Habakkuk is talking about. So Habakkuk is going through it. It's almost like saying the law has become paralyzed. It's almost like us saying your word has perished in our country. Truth has been forgotten. We're on the same page there? All right, I got a little nervous there. Not really, but, but what, what is he saying? Life in Israel is horrible. Life in Israel is horrible. Violence and injustice. And then he says, and the leadership is corrupt. As long as leadership is corrupt, I can't, God, how much longer do I have to cry out to you and you do not listen? And, and God being God replies, like he did with Job. And look, in God's reply, we don't have time to get into the text. Go ahead and study Habakkuk at home and, and, and do a thorough study on it. But God's reply back to Habakkuk is this. I'm aware of my people's corruption. Do you understand that God is aware of where we are at as a people? Like, There's not one thing that we do, one thing that we pass, not one law. I'm telling you that God is not mindful of it. So, so God tells Habakkuk and he says something very important to them and, he's, and he replies and he says, I'm aware of my people's corruption and look what he says to Habakkuk next. He says, I'm actually sending Babylon, this Babylonian army to bring down my justice on Israel. Then Habakkuk hears this from the Lord and what do you think Habakkuk does? What do you think? How do you think he feels? God just told him, I'm using your enemy to come and deal with our people. So Habakkuk gets a little ticked off, Habakkuk gets a little bit worried and concerns, he's filled with concerns again. So, so Habakkuk now begins to question God and he says things like this to him if you continue to read. He says, how can you use Babylon? Out of all people, how can you and why will you use Babylon? These people are worse than us, they're more evil than us, they're more violent, violent than us. They are more corrupt than the Israel, people of Israel. And yet you're using more violent and more corrupt people than Israel to deal with Israel. He goes on on a tangent and he says they treat people like animals, they abuse of them. He, he actually goes into detail and he says they treat them like fish who are caught up on a net to then kill them. They, they treat people like no souls, like if they're fish. They treat people like animals, they abuse them. He goes on, he says, they conquer nations and they perform horrific acts upon the people of these nations. And then he goes on, he says, God, the Babylonian people, they've made their own power, their God. Their power has become their God. So the Lord doesn't say quiet. The Lord is not questioned or asked anything that he does not know of or that he does not have answers of. So what he does is he replies back to Habakkuk a second, after his second complaint. And this is what God tells him now. Habakkuk, do me a favor. Sit down. Take out a tablet and start to chisel the things that I show you and the things that you're going to start hearing. <laughs> like, come on, layman's terms? Sit down and take notes. That's exactly what God was telling him. Sit down now and take notes. Do you remember what he told Job? Can Stand before me and put on your pants like a man. I'm going to ask you some questions now. He told, he told Job that. But now he's telling Habakkuk, sit down. Let's take some notes. Because I'm going to ask you some questions now. And you're going to write them on this paper. And you're going to now have to go back home and see some of this stuff. And come face to face with it. And then you answer it when you're ready. So what does God tell him? After he tells him, sit down and, and chisel chisels some of these things you see in here. And he gives Habakkuk a vision of this appointed time that will come. And one of the key things that he tells Habakkuk that I don't want you to miss is this. Ready? It's, it may seem slow in coming, but it will eventually come. Hmm. Someone say, it may seem slow. But it will come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It may seem slow, but it will come. But it will come. Let's go to chapter 2. Let's let the, let's set the text read for itself. I'm going to read verse 2 and 3, chapter 2. So, this is what the Lord tells Habakkuk. He says this. Ready? The Lord says to him. Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. Verse 3 This vision is for the future time, it is to come. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. It seems slow in coming, but wait what? Who likes to wait patiently? Enjoy the traffic. God literally says, this vision is for the future. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you, and it's going to describe the end times. It's going to be fulfilled, and it's going to seem like it's slow in getting here. But sit and enjoy the traffic. Wait patiently. Look what he says next. For it will surely take place, and it will not be delayed. Man, I love that. I love that for Habakkuk's time, and I actually love that in the context for today's time. Because only God can say things like this and make total sense in it. Like, I can't. I can't say like, hey, I'm going to call you right back and then call you 15 years later. But then you get the revelation that 15 years later is exactly the right time that I needed to call you right back. And you're like, I'm so happy you called me right back, even though it took 15 years later. But God can say things like this. Ready? It's going to seem slow like coming, but it will eventually get here. And you're like, oh, good. It totally makes sense. Only God could do things like that. It makes sense to it. It's going to take a while. Watch this. Ready? It's going to take a while. Everyone say that. Gonna but it won't be delayed. Won't be delayed. <laughs> Which one is it? It's going to take a while, but it won't be delayed. It's going to take a while, but I won't be late. God has a, has a, has a sense of, of of just letting it all puzzle in together. It's almost like, and I'm going to get to this eventually, it's almost like when he says, Behold, I am coming quickly. And for 2,000 years, people have been fighting about pre-tribulation and mid-tribulation and post If you would have just come, like when he said quickly, we would have had no theological debates about pre-mid and post and whether there even is a tribulation. But because he said quickly and there's 2,000 years later, we're all fighting about, but, but, but the Bible also says that a 1,000 years in heaven is like, A day on earth. So when he says, "Behold, I'm coming quickly," he doesn't mean "or quickly." He means, "Oh, it might take a while, but I won't be delayed." And then it makes sense to him. I mean, these are things that make sense to God that we try to wrap our minds around. I won't be delayed. So so what is the Lord telling Habakkuk? Because I don't want to necessarily stay on Habakkuk, though I will reference him throughout the rest of this message. What he wants to tell Habakkuk is this. Follow with me, okay? Here's what he's going to tell him. Remember, he's writing notes now. Remember, he's writing on a tablet. He's chiseling away the things that he's seen and the things that he's hearing. That is, a, that is a word from even the New Testament when it says, no, eye has seen nor ear has heard the things that God has prepared or has it fallen on the heart of man, the things that has, God has prepared for those who love him. Here, is Habakkuk. God knows he loves him. And he says, your eye has not seen and your ears have not heard and your heart, it has not landed upon the things that I have prepared. Write this down. It's beautiful. So what does he tell Habakkuk? Number one, Babylon, who will bring down Israel, listen, Babylon will also be brought down. Number two, I may also use this corrupt nation Babylon, but by no means do I endorse it. I want you to know that God can use whoever and whatever he wants, but it does not mean that God endorses it. He just allows it to happen and he uses that to bring his greater glory, but not for one time does he say, that guy and that team and that group and that country, that's part of my team. God doesn't flow like that. So he might allow it and he might cause it and and he might use them, but he does not endorse it and he reminds Habakkuk of that. Write this down. I'm going to use them, but that doesn't mean I'm for them. And number three, he says what I said earlier, Babylon, like any other nation, will be held accountable, accountable to my justice. I will also stand and they will also stand before me and they will be held accountable too for their acts, for their gods, for their evil. Just like I'm going to deal with Israel through them, I'm going to deal through, with Babylon as well. Trust me, as I stand before Israel, I'm going to also stand before Babylon. God says, I'm not a respecter of persons. Every single person will give account before my presence. Amen. Such a beautiful thing. So, so, so Habakkuk is writing all these things down. It may take a while, but it will not be delayed. And, and, I, and I start to think about this, and I ask this question. I say, man, we in this room, you guys, we may feel that God is taking a while in our lives. I don't know what it's for. Some of you guys, I get it. I, I have a relationship. We've had some meetings, and I get some of the things that you're waiting for. But for some of you, what are some of the things that you're waiting for, you're waiting for, but God is reminding you today, but it's not going to be delayed. The promise of the Lord, but it will not be delayed. You may feel that God is taking a while, but i like for all of us to know that he will never and he has never been delayed. God has never been late to an appointment and God will never forget a cry that is released before him. And that's what he's reminding Habakkuk of. And that's what he's reminding us of. I'm never late. I will not delay, though it may take a while. But it may take a while. So, so right now, just receive the freedom that God has not forgotten about you. He's just taking his time. Or, or, or maybe he's not taking his time. Maybe it's he wants you to take your time. Because we like to blame everyone. And we like to blame God. And we always like to say, well, God is taking his time. And he's like, no, he's teaching you how to take your time. Man... I, I need to take a time. I need to take a... He, let's go to chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 16 to 20. Why? Because this is the end of Habakkuk. As we give, do a quick um, cheat notes on it. We can't hurry God. <laughs> I saw somebody fall asleep. So I'll start singing with my soul. Right, here we go. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. If you're there, give me an amen. He says, I trembled inside when I heard this. When I heard what? What my ears have never heard, what my eyes have never seen, what has fallen on my heart, which has never fallen. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave gave way beneath me, and I shook in terror. I wait quietly. I wait what? Mm -hmm. You got it, Habakkuk. You got it. You wait patiently. You wait quietly. You got it, Habakkuk. It took you two chapters to get there, but you got it now. It took you a couple arguments with God, but you got it now. It took Israel a wrestling match, um, Jacob a wrestling match to get into Israel. It took Habakkuk a little wrestling match to to get Wait quietly. He says, I wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and these are no grapes and there are no grapes on the vines and even though the olive crops fail, and the fields lie empty and barren and even though the flocks die in the fields. Sounds like a bad day. Sounds like a bad day. And the cattle barns are empty. <laughs> I love verse 18. 18 is going to get so much better. Yet. Everyone say yet. Yeah. Yet. All bad is going on. Yet. There is no money. Yet. There is no livestock yet. There is no hope right now in front of me yet. This seems to me like things are not reconciling yet. It seems to me that there is no healing yet. Yet, I haven't seen me, him or her ask me for a date out yet. Yet, I, yet, and he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in the God of my salvation, the sovereign Lord. He is my strength. He makes me as short-footed as a deer and I am able to tread upon the heights though I don't see it before me. Yet, there is a God that reigns that sees it before I do. It may take a while, it may take a while, but I've never been delayed. Yet. I feel like the mic is a little loud. (laughs) (laughs) It's not me. Hurrying God never makes sense. You can't hurry God. I'll change the lyrics. Because it never, ever, ever makes sense. It doesn't. Hearing God has never made sense. It is of, write this in your notes, ready? There is a future in waiting. There's a future in waiting. My wife got pregnant and I couldn't have the kid right away. I had to wait nine months to see my child. There's futures in, in waiting, there's, there's hope in waiting, there's, there's a teaching in waiting, there's a, a promise that's, that's there in waiting, there's a development that's going on in waiting, there's a maturing process that's happening in waiting. And I, and I want you to understand that, that every single person here has probably or is probably in some point or another waiting currently or has waited in the past. And it has tested you and it has tried you and it has done whatever it's tried to do to you. But you're still here because you're recognizing that though you don't see it and you're in a place of waiting, there's still a God who does not delay. He's on time. Trust me. He's never been late. Come on. Anyone who's ever lived long enough would admit that time passes quickly. I can't believe how old I am today. When people ask me for my age, I want to sin, you know. I really do, I want to sit like straight up, I just want to start lying. Like I'm 30s. I'm 27. The heck, I'm not there. Like that stuff bugs me out. Like I don't understand. like how did I seriously, How did I get to this age? It's weird. I, I guess it's part of life. But how many of you feel me? My man, you feel like you're old too? You see what I'm saying, everyone? And we, we, we recognize that time passes by. But, but, but have you noticed this, that as time ha- passes by, have you noticed that, that with that time that passes, there's also changes that occur? Yeah, yeah, because now like gray hairs grow out. <laughs> I told my wife, I said, my left side of my head, is it's, it's thinning now a little bit more. She's like, well, if you continue to be stressed out, it's going to thin some more. <laughs> thanks for the reminder. About to put some gel on that sucker. No, I'm just kidding. But, but notice with time comes changes. Times comes change, And sometimes it's a, it's, it could be a beautiful thing, the changes. I, I believe that because the Bible says that the gray hair on a man is wisdom. I'm not saying that everyone with gray hair has wisdom. <laughs> oh, I love church. Everything is moving so much faster. Everything is coming faster. There are so many changes. Everything is easily accessible. Yeah? Yeah? Everything. Come on, let's just have, some, let's have a good time. Let's, let's just talk about some stuff. I remember when I was a kid, right? I loved when my mom would say, let's go rent a movie. I loved it. Um, I know. Bring my son out here and ask him what renting a movie is. <laughs> I'm talking to, a, to an age range that says, yes, I remember when I used to rent movies. And I used to love it when my mom would say, let's go rent a movie. Or you could go rent a game. Because, you see, that meant something. <laughs> Man, I got people our age in here that are understanding this. Because <laughs> we can't hurry. Go- Man, I feel it. Because this is what happens. Ready? It meant a field trip to Blockbuster. Yes. And I love Blockbuster. Man, Blockbuster was like Disneyland. Blockbuster is like a candy store for a kid. Blockbuster was special. My mom would walk in, and I promise you, me and my sister would come in with my mom. And as soon as that door opened, there was like torpedoes. My mom would be like, "When I do the whistle, everyone meet me." And I, I mean, meet me in the romantic section, cause that's section, cause that's where I'm gonna alright mom she's in the romantic section let me go get and it, it was something that was special I knew that when she said let's go rent a movie let's go get a game I'm going to walk through many aisles and there's going to be so many choices of movies and I always come me and my sister would come with two movies pick your favorite one and then we would fight which one do you think and, and then each child would leave with the movie because you got to be fair and stuff like that though I'm the favorite but, but you have to be fair and you got to make sure that each kid gets the movie so that Friday night we could watch his and that Saturday night we could watch hers and then if a friend was over I could get a video game or two and it was so much fun and now it's so different now I want you to see that as time passes I want you to see how things change my son gets home from school he takes out the Apple remote and he says "Dada, come on please can I watch Netflix and with just one click the TV turns on and in a moment there are hundreds of movies that pop up on the screen right before his eyes we don't have to take a trip anymore we don't have to walk through the aisles anymore No trip, no excitement to pick out a movie. All he does now is just click, and all these movies just show up for him. Oh, man, it's so good for time, but it's so sad for time. Let me tell you what I mean there. It's so good for time, but it's so sad for time. Because some of my great times with my mom was going to Blockbuster, and time has stolen that with my son. I can't take my son to Blockbuster because things have changed. So it's so good for time, but it's so sad for time. I'm not lying, this is crazy stuff. They have apps now, you know what I'm saying? Like- It's a little bit more expensive and if you want to waste a little bit more more money because you don't want to go to traffic or you don't want to wait in lines because Sundays are bad days to do groceries, you download this app and you put what you want on it and it remembers every single thing that you've ever bought. So it creates your own shopping list. You click it all and next thing you know, within two hours, someone comes in that you don't even know and drops off all the groceries at your front door. All you do is ring ding dong. You open up the door and you say thank you because you already paid on the app and you bring everything in that that man already went shopping for you and you already paid through the online. Online button and now you're putting everything in your fridge and in your pantry and it all happened with a click of a button within five minutes. I don't have to spend now three hours. It's so good for time, but it's so sad for time. I used to love taking my I still do it's too expensive sometimes, only on bad days. I don't have to just I don't have to just rush through fast food anymore. I could actually get better food through an app that I just figure out which restaurant they could go to, and that person drives their little car that they waste gas on, and they charge me a whole lot more money, and they go to the restaurant that's a better restaurant than McDonald's and Burger King, and they get me a, a meal, and they come and they could drop it off right at my house or wherever I'm at. Right now, every single one of us could get on the app and all of you could start ordering lunch. I'm talking about things change. Time passes quickly. At two years old, man, I was hey, before we put that up, don't put it up yet. Uh, uh, I don't know if I should pick on Joe or on or, or <laughs> I don't know which one to pick on but I'm, 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 let me see or maybe even a Karina or something Karina what, 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 what's a kushba do you know what a kushba is of course you don't she doesn't know what a kushba is let me tell you something when, when in the 80's when I was a child I don't know if you know this but in, in 1982 the, the number one best selling toy you want to see what it was watch this this is the number one best-selling toy in 1982. Yeah. Hmm. You can't hurt. Do you remember that thing? You used to fling it and then when it used to pop on your fingers. That was the number one toy in 1982. A Koosh ball. There it is. Karina, that looks dumb to you, doesn't it? It does. Of course it does. But to us, we were loving it. We were throwing it. was our kush ball. It was, it was the, 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 the toy of the year. If, if I wasn't playing with that, I was playing with He-Mans, Masters of the Universe, Transformers, G.I. Joes. Can any man give me an Amen. amen. You girls, I'd have I forgot what you guys were doing in the 80s, but. But now, now my two-year-old daughter, two years old, just like I was two years old and playing with kush balls, my two-year-old daughter now grabs the phone. All we have to do is open it, and she knows exactly which folder, and she knows, this is her toy. She knows how to, how to mess around with this stuff, and every single app means something to her, and she knows exactly which app is what. She knows which one is the game she likes, and she, I mean, it's two years old, and she already knows exactly which app. She knows which folders are daddy's folders, and which folders are Jackson and Jade's folders. I mean, I mean, who taught her that stuff? Time did, I mean. I mean, it's just, with time, things change. You know, him and Jackson and Jay, they know how to maneuver it. They scroll through it. I mean, we live in a generation of apps rather than a generation of toys. I mean, let me see your phone. My kids are 2 and 5 years old. When I was that age, people weren't walking around with their phones. People weren't walking around driving around with their phones. How many times you've driven, and you've seen people texting and video and watching all these? I mean, that didn't exist. If there was someone when I was two years old walking around with one of those brick phones, most likely they were a drug dealer. But other than that, but other than that, people it's true. Other than that, no one was walking around with phones in the '80s. It's too expensive in the '80s to have one of those phones. Those big brick phones. Think about this. We weren't glued to the entertainment systems. We played until we had lines of dirt around our neck. Around our ankles. Do you remember when you used to take off your socks and there was that dark rim? And you used to sometimes lick it off? Yeah. You, some of you gross kids when you were in the 80s and 90s. Now this is powerful because my son and my daughter will never know what it is to have a ring of dirt around their ankles. They'll never understand that stuff. And rings around their necks and around their elbows and stuff. What's those things for? That's because I had a good day. <laughs> their skin will not... T- their skin will not turn a different shade now. Not because of the sun, but because of dirt. I mean, I was darker <laughs> because I was in the dirt. And I was, you know, we were playing. We bank from our phones and from our smart devices now. I don't know, when was the last time I went to a bank? We, we order food from our phones. We can see each other face to face from the other side of the world in an instant. That's crazy. There's a lot of good that comes from all of this. I don't want you to think that I'm against it, but there's also plenty of bad. Amen? And here it is. I believe that the greatest danger is when all of this stuff pours into the church. I, and I know it's hard for it not to, and it's basically impossible. But when it pours into ministry, when you do in ministry, or when it pours into your relationship with God, when, when, you feel, when we may feel like Habakkuk, oh, God, how much longer do I have to come to you? But you do not listen. Listen, it is very easy in today's day to develop this relationship with the Lord. And all we do is try to hurry him because everything in life comes quickly and it's, easy, um, it's easily accessible. But I want you to know that the God that we serve is not like the times that this world has turned into. He is not just a click button. He is not just a drive through He is not just an app on a phone. All right, He is none of those things. The God that we serve, he might just say, I'm coming back quickly and quickly for him means 4,000 years. I need you to understand this because some of us have a relationship with God like that where things have to come extremely easy because everything in life comes extremely easy. Have you noticed this, that that the easier things come in life, the more anxiety and stress people have? Because everything that is easy and fast is not necessarily good for you. Because there is something that is done inside of you, something that develops inside of you in the waiting that God needs for it to happen. We need to learn that everything fast and easy is not necessarily good in the long term. You don't believe me? Go get your fast food, McDonald's or Burger King, whatever it is, every single day, very easy. And eventually, in the long term, your body will start showing you it's not good. Everything easy and fast is not always good. Because we tend to forget that in the waiting, come on, there is this process that is occurring There is this maturity that is developing. There is a growth that is nurturing. And we forget that in the waiting, there is a God who is working. We can't come before him and think he's like a smartphone that we could press send. Because God doesn't come necessarily with a send button. Though you do send your prayer petitions and you do send your supplications to him. But when you press the button, you start to notice that instead of pressing send, the button actually says wait. (laughs) How many of your walks with the Lord is like that? Am I talking to the choir here or am I talking to myself? My life is a consistent. There it is, yours. And it's a wait button. It's a wait. It's a wait. And sometimes we think it's a send, meaning, oh, perfect. Now you've received it. Now you've got to do your thing quickly and do what I've asked you instead of recognizing that it might be a wait instead, that when we address the Lord, it may, it may be more of a weight than it is in a send that received them. Get ready for your delivery. So so I start to think about Psalm 46.10 when the psalmist says to be still and know that I am God. To trust and wait and know that I am God. Oh, you've given me this supplication. You've given me this hurt. You get- Good. Press the wait button. I gave it to you. Now what? Now wait and see that I am good. Live in trust and see it's never done good for me to hurry God. We can't hurry God. You can't speed up his process. And he may be telling you today that it may take you a while, but I've never been late. How many of you could say amen to that? There is a future in your waiting. Come on. We have been speaking now for weeks that you are right where he has you. And in that, it might mean, wait. Can you remember these two things today? Write this down. Number one, write this down. God's timing is best. Not yours. God's timing is best. You know, there's the people that always like to hook up other people. Listen, no one in this church has a prophetic gift to hooking up anyone. God is the prophet that gets people together because his timing is best. All right, good. We got that one out of the way. Let's go. Number one, God's timing is best. I was a youth pastor, so we dealt with that a lot. You guys know what I'm talking about. I mean. We're always hooking up youth. God's timing is what? Yes. Man. Number two, write this down. God is always working. God's timing is best. God is always working. Imagine this for a moment. Let's go into scripture here. Let's go to the Old Testament. Let's, let's, let's take our mind back. And imagine you're taking a long journey here. And you take your son with you. And... Um, and the Lord tells you to take your son and you go up to this mountain and, and you set up this site. We're going to call it a site, though it's an altar in the Bible for a sacrifice, for an offering. And he sets up this site, this, this, this altar, to offer his son before the Lord. and. And, and let me tell you exactly a little bit about this. You see, this son is, is, is necess, it's his unique and it's his special son. It's not his only son, but it's his unique and special son. Just like God, is Jesus is his unique and special son of God. Son of God, here's Abraham, and his son is his unique and special son of promise. There is a future in his son, Isaac, and there's a future for his son, Isaac. I need, I need you to really grasp this. But then you continue in your obedience to God, right? You, you continue in your obedience. And I want you to listen to these two words, to go on. Everyone say go on. go on. Maybe another way for going on is that in going on means you continue in obedience waiting. And waiting might be like I'm just going to continue to go where God's calling me. And in going, I'm just waiting. Maybe a better word that we could even use in that is I'm going to continue in my obedience to be hopeful. You've ever felt that the process of waiting that you're in is actually trying to steal the hope that you have? But God is saying, I want to build up the hope that's inside of you, in your waiting. So here is Abraham walking with his son, whom he loves to death. Literally, I mean, he loves him. And he's walking up to a mountain. He sets up an altar. And he recognizes, like, how am I going to give this kid to the Lord? This is my son of promise, with promise. And he's filled in, within him of promise. Like, nations are going to come out of this kid, supposedly. This is, there's something. Sp- and then as he's walking, I could just imagine how he's hopeful that the Lord is going to work it out again. I don't know how he's going to do it. But I'm walking up to this mountain now. I made it to the mountain. I told my boys to stay back now. I'm walking to the mountain alone with him. And I don't see no hope in front of me. But I'm just going to stay hopeful again. So you, 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 now what you do is you lay your son down for execution. And as you lay him down for execution, your son with tears is coming out of his eyes because he get what's happening. He looks at you right in the eyes. And there's a gut feeling deep down inside of you. And he says, Dad, Dad, where, where is um, where's the sacrifice? Just imagine being there. This is a true story. And the father looks at his son and he remains faithful without knowing the answer. Without this is mind-blowing, without knowing the answer, says one phrase, God will provide. You have a dagger that just got sharpened. You put ropes on his ankles and his feet. You set up an altar. The son just asked you, Where's the sacrifice before the Lord? And you're about to kill him or offer him up. And your first reply is God's gonna provide. That's powerful. Then a sound is heard from heaven, instruction is given, and they both look, and now there's a ram that is caught in the thicket. His horns are caught in the thicket. And all I could think about was Abraham saying, man, that was cutting it close. He must have been drenched with sweat. That was cutting it close. I, I mean, I, I, thank God I'm not him. I would have just failed God probably. I'm thinking, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, you don't know until you're in the moment. You know, if I would have been there, I would have done that. You don't know that. You say that when you're not in it, but you don't know it. You're lucky I wasn't there. You don't know when you're in the moment what the Holy Spirit will do. You know in the moment what God will do. Maybe I would have just failed God. I don't know. Maybe not. Or maybe I would have done what Habakkuk would have said. Right? Oh, Lord, how much longer do I wait? You don't listen to me. And I'm about to, like, sacrifice my son. Listen, you can call it pride if you want on my end. But on this one, I'm guessing I would have just put my hands in God's. Power. How many of you have put your hands in what God's doing? Because he's taking too long and you've justified it with, well, you know, the Lord showed me that this is what I needed to do. And sometimes we put our hands where God wants to do. I've done that so many times where I have put my hands in what God wants me to do. And he has shown me. But I want everyone to know this as you wrote this down. Number one, God's timing is best. Yes or no? Yes. Why? Look, to, look over, look over, look over there. There's your ram. What in the world is a ram doing here stuck? Check this out. Look at this video. This is ex- somewhat... Somewhat similar to what Abraham and Isaac saw. He, he, he set up, right? He set up this, this, um, this site. And um, I, I mean, this is serious, you know. You could turn the volume off. But, but what's beautiful about this is, as he's about to offer up his son, and the Lord speaks to him, to the angel says, do not touch him. The Lord provides, and he looks to the side. It is a ram that is stuck on the thicket. Now, now, what a beautiful, what a, it's, how many of you look at ah say, oh, poor ram? Listen, Abraham did not say, oh, poor ram. <laughs> Abraham said, boy, get up. We got God's provision for our lives. <laughs> he is stuck. Okay? That, that's exactly what Abe saw. Number two, I want you to think about this. You can turn it off. Now people are going to be mesmerized with the ram caught in the thicket. Number two, God is always working. Maybe you should say that to the person next to you. God is always working. See, have you thought about this? God woke up that ram. God woke up that ram. Maybe we should just play it low, no, no. Just have it looping in the background. Let's just put it up again Poor ram. God is always working. Think about this. God woke up that ram that morning. And God decided for that ram that morning to go for a little walk. And I wrote this down just like this. At some point of the day, that ram was at the same place on the same mountain that a man was walking towards to offer up his son. You think you can make this stuff up? See, the, you got to understand a little bit about the ram. Let me, let me give you a little, his, little lesson here. The ram is an herbivore, so, so he eats from the, from the field and from the ground and stuff like that. Doesn't eat meat. So it probably had its head down at some point when it got to that region, to that area. And he was eating grass or he was eating some sort of plants or he was eating some sort of seeds that had fallen to the ground. And while he was eating, at some point he didn't notice the thicket and his horns got stuck. Maybe he went forward, then he came back, and then he noticed he got stuck. And now the ram is stuck on this thicket. And this is a a crazy thing now. Have you thought about this? Because God's always working. Now the ram has front row seats to what's about to happen. And what he sees is amazing. He sees now Abraham and Isaac arrive. What are these two guys doing here? And he sees Abraham and Isaac arrive. He sees Abraham and Isaac grabbing sticks and, and rocks and building an altar. And the ram is just like, what are you doing? Abraham now begins to take out his rope that he had in a little bag. And he begins to tie up his son. And the ram is watching. What is this man going to do to his son? Why is he tying? Imagine the ram. I don't think cognitively like they could do that. But just think about that for a moment. He sees Abraham tying his son. Maybe there was tears between Abraham and Isaac. And out of nowhere, as the, the ram is looking, a mighty light shines from heaven. An angel shows up. God speaks, right? And, and, and it's amazing. And everyone, now that he's looking at, turns at him and just looks at him. And you, and, and you could just picture the ram like, you, you guys look very happy and you're all smiling. What's going on? Everyone's eyes are filled with joy as they stare at the ram. Well, we're going to end the story there for the poor ram. Because I'm so happy you guys are all happy. No, ram, you have no idea. I started, you know, God has a ram for all of us, you know. And God is working that ram out, however it might be. However it might be. See, I too, you could take that off if it's still on. I too have had similar moments that can be described like Abraham's. Maybe, maybe I could say it this way. Have you had a moment in your life that all you could say was, oh my goodness, that was God. That was, that was God. There's no way that I could prove this was God. That was God. I feel like like this is, that was God. This is God. It might take a while, but I'm never late. I never delay. Write this down. Consider this. That what God does in us while we wait is as important as what we are praying for. While we're praying for whatever our dilemma is, we think that that's the most important thing in our lives. But what we don't understand, that just as important of what we're praying for is what God is doing in us through the process called waiting. Amen? And you can't hurry God. My best, my time is best, and and I am always working, God says. Come on, guys, persevere. Hope. Trust, have faith, all these things, all these characteristics that the Lord is building up in all of us. I wrote two more things down. Learn to wait, love to wait. If you're not there, learn it and love it. Very important. He shows us and reminds us that everything isn't just given to us and that not everything comes easy, especially valuable things, but all of this is going to make you stronger. Can I talk to you about birds? They say that birds have three methods of flight. Number one, they flap their wings. Flapping their wings, keep their wings in constant motion, is like a hummingbird, and it's to counteract gravity. Flapping keeps them in the air, but it's a lot of work that comes into a bird when they flap their wings. I'm going to get into a scripture, because God uses creation to preach to us. Number two, the second method of flying for a bird is gliding. And what the bird does is here, he builds up enough speed that he coasts downward a while, and it's much more graceful than constantly flapping. But unfortunately, it does not get that bird very far. Reality in the form of gravity sets in quickly, and gliding is nice, but it doesn't last a long period of time. You could only glide for a little while. But everyone say number three. Yeah, the third method of flying is called soaring. And soaring is different than flapping your wings and gliding. Only few birds can soar. I don't believe that everyone is called to soar, but I believe the chosen of God are, can, can, are called to soar. And only a few birds... Such like eagles are capable of soaring. Eagles' wings, listen to this, are so strong that they are capable of catching rising currents of warm air. Thermal winds that go straight up from the earth and without moving a feather can soar up to great heights. And eagles have been clocked up to 80 miles per hour without flapping at all. They just soar on invisible columns of air. And then Isaiah says something like this, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall mount up their wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. <laughs> Isaiah knew about the earth. Isaiah knew about the birds. He stared at it long enough and he says, it's just like the eagles. There's a renewal of strength in your waiting. Come on. Maybe God says, then you've done so Let me let me get personal here. Maybe God is looking at you and says, you've done such a good job in your Christian walk flapping, but do you think that flapping is all I have for you? You've done such a good job gliding, but you think gliding is all I have for you? Let me take you to a place of soaring to great heights. Could that be the co-seated with Jesus Christ place that we've been talking about for weeks? Where we're co-seated? In heavenly high places, is that the soaring where we renew our strength? There's a renewal of strength in the waiting. That when it's done, that which you struggle with, through, which is flapping, or, or that which you always would fall short in, which is gliding, now the Lord has strengthened you through the process or through this, through, through this newness called soaring. That through soaring, you reach a place that flapping and gliding could have never taken you. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength and they mount up. With wings like eagles. Come on. We can't hurry God. What he does in us through the waiting makes us stronger. Learn to wait. Love to wait. And never grow weary in the waiting. All over scripture it says, it. Galatians 6.9 says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, but in due season we shall reap if you do not lose heart, if you do not give up. Wait, continue, continue, and don't lose heart. Keep on being faithful. James 1.12 talks about it under trials. Blessed is the one who perseveres, who patiently endures. That deals with waiting under trial. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him and the soul who seeks him. I mean, we could go through so many scriptures. He is God, and He's teaching us in the wait. I can't hurry Him. He's taking His time with us for a specific reason. From Revelation twice, it says it. In seven, He says, "Behold, I'm coming quickly." Blessed is He who comes. And then He says in verse twelve, "And behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is and my reward is with me to everyone according to his work on the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end." Twice in the same chapter in Revelation twenty-two, the last book, He says, "I'm coming quickly." And then we see also to 2 Peter 3.89. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed but wants everyone to repent. So he goes from I'm coming quickly to Peter saying, but it's like a thousand days. It's like, one. <laughs> it's like a thousand years is like one day. It may take a while, but he's never late. Come on, let's go, Habakkuk. Write these things down. It's going to take a while, but I'm never late. Take out a tablet. Write some things down so you can see in here. It may be slow in coming, but it will eventually come. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up because I want us all to turn to Exodus 24. This might be the place where we just park our cars and let the Lord do what he's got to do here. Exodus chapter 24. As we turn to Exodus 24, let's just see screen. How many of you have ever seen this in Exodus 24? We're going to end here with Moses. This is exactly the passage that touched my heart this week that made me preach this, and I was in a conversation with someone talking to them about Moses. Let's go to verse, um, go to verse 9 with me. When you're there, give me an amen. Go to verse 9. Verse 9, verse 9. We'll wrap this up right here. You've got to understand what's happening here. The children of Israel have left Egypt. The children of Israel are in the wild. They're in the wilderness. The children of Israel have been waiting for a period of time. Let's just get into this. Verse verse 9 says, Then Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel climbed up the mountain. And there they saw the God of Israel. Under his feet there seemed to be a, a surface of brilliant blue Lapis Lazuli, a clear of the sky itself. Whatever, forgive me for not knowing somebody's name then. And though these nobles of Israel gazed upon God, he, he did not destroy them. In fact, they ate a covenant meal, eating and drinking in his presence. My God, my God, my God. Verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain. Stay there and I'm going to give you the tablets of stone. You know, one prophet, he's telling him, take out the stone the stone tablets, and write this. To so the other one, he's saying, I'm taking out some tablets, and I'm going to write this for you. On which I've inscribed, and he says, in the instructions and commands so that you can teach the people that you lead, the children of Israel. So verse 13, Moses and his assistant Joshua set out, and Moses climbed up the mountain of God. Everyone's seen that. Everyone's seen that, that, that Moses is climbing up the mountain. There's something beautiful about climbing up the mountain let's keep going here verse 14 Moses tells the elders stay here and wait for us until we come back Aaron and her are here with you if anyone has a dispute while I am gone consult with them that didn't go too good for Aaron poor guy but we'll see verse 15 then Moses climbed up the mountain man guys I, I want you to follow this And the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled down on Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, the Lord called Moses from inside the cloud. To the Israelites, at the foot of the mountain, the glory of the Lord appeared appeared at the summit like a consuming fire. Verse 18 is circled in my Bible. It says, then Moses disappeared into the cloud. As he climbed higher up the mountain, he, rema- <laughs> he remained on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. How many of you are hearing the song from my brother saying, you can't hurry God. He spends 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain of God in the cloud of God with God. it's almost like God's saying I'm not in a hurry I'm not in a hurry I almost want to get ahead of myself because the children of Israel are, are under the mountain or in the bottom the foot of the mountain and I don't want to get there yet but when Moses comes down he doesn't like what he sees but every time Moses will come down from the mountain they're like what did he say now what is he going to tell us now shame shameful of them shameful of them to live such a life that they just want to hear quickly what God has oh man but they don't set themselves to a discipline to stay with God for 40 days and 40 nights for themselves come on who am I speaking to here today shame on you for you to come over here and think that anyone here could rub some sort of magic potion and give you something That God might want you to stay in his presence for 40 days and 40 nights. Moses had a word for them. I'm going to come every week and someone else will come every week with a word for his people. But that's the only word you're getting. Where are the mountain dwellers at? Where are the ones that are living in this cloud in the mountain of God that are singing, I can't hurry God. And they're receiving for 40 days and 40 nights up there and not hoping that a man could give to them in a second, in a moment, what he has been given in the waiting of 40 days and 40 nights. So and so, can you pray for me so that this could finally happen to me? You want someone to give you what has been given to them and their family. Because they've been there for 40 days and 40 nights in the waiting. We can't live or walk like that. You can't let that penetrate your relationship with God. Where everything has to be quick and everything has to be told to me so fast. How about when you get into the presence of God and say, I don't know where this is going. I don't know, man, how long it's going to take. But he never delays and I'm not going to hurry him. Moses was there for 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible never says if God ever fed him or gave him something to drink. Or could it be that his presence was so much that he never needed a bread to put in his mouth or water to touch his lips? I don't know. Maybe maybe he was up there and he was he was interacting with the one who is the water and the bread. Jesus Man, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But I know that that he was there and he and he spent time on that mountain and and he was Do you know what happened on that mountain for those 40 days and 40 nights? All you got to do is flip your pages. God was instructing him and teaching him and building him So we go to verse 25, and God says, This is everything I want you to know. Chapter 25, forgive me. He begins to show him how the offerings for the tabernacle should look, the plans for the Ark of the Covenant, the plans for the table. The plans for the lampstand. The plans for the tabernacle. Come on. Look at all these things. Ready? The plans for the altar and burnt offering. The light for the tabernacle. The clothing for the priest. The plans for the courtyard. All this stuff within 40 days and 40 nights. And you want Moses to come and try to explain this to you in one minute? The design of the ephod. The design of the chess plate. We could keep going. All the things that God did to him. What chapter am I on? Um, the additional clothing for the priest. The dedications of the priest. Um, the plans for the incense altar, um, the money for the tabernacle, the plans for the wash basin, the anointing oil, the craftsmen, the incense that should be going on, the craftsmen that should be working on these things, the instructions for the Sabbath. I mean, I mean, it was one teaching after another teaching, and he was growing, and he was maturing, and he was learning, and he had something inside him ready to deliver. But it couldn't happen just in a moment. Come on, let's go now. We're gonna, we flip through everything that God was showing him. Go to verse 32, chapter 32. In chapter 32, it says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down. How much longer are you going to be up there? It's like you're not even here to listen to our problem. You've been up in that mountain with your God for so long. How about you come over here and lead your people? When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods. That fast? Your faults are that quick? Who can lead us? We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses, the NLT says, who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and the sons and your daughters and bring them to me. And all the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron and Aaron took the gold, melted it down, molded it into the shape of a calf and when the people saw it they exclaimed, oh Israel these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Aaron saw how excited the people were. So he built an altar. It's so easy for a leader to please the people rather than to please the Lord. In a second, I, I mean I've seen it in leadership. I've seen churches transform into who they were first called to be because as long as people are coming and people are worshiping, people are being pleased, even if it's false, I don't care. I'll keep bringing them in. <laughs> Moses was like, keep doing it. I mean, Aaron, keep doing it, Aaron. Look what he says. He saw how excited they were, so he built an altar in the front of the calf, and he announced tomorrow is going to be a festival to the Lord. And the people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. And after this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. And the Lord told Moses... Sometimes he does work quickly. After, Quick, go down to the mountain. Your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Every eye on verse 8 is so important. How quickly, how quickly they have turned away from the way I've commanded them to live. How quickly they have changed. How quickly they serve another God. How quickly they desert the things that I've done what happened to those people they were fickle they were fickle they were weak and fickle so when they had to wait when they had to wait they were disobedient to God forget the golden cow the calf they made themselves gods when, when when, when they had to wait they ran from God And the people's immaturity and weakness in the waiting was to turn their backs on God. And God says in chapter 32, verse 8, how quickly they have turned away. Come on. Come on. You can't hurry God. You can't just turn away because he's taking his time. What you all should have done is put on your hiking shoes and everyone should have gone up to the mountain with Moses. And said, Moses, we're not going to let you have all of this for yourself. If you're going to be here for 40 days and 40 nights, I want to be here for 40 days and 40 nights with you. I'm praying for a church that will come up to the mountain in whatever personal place and whatever family place that we're at as a church and say, let's come together to a place of waiting and let God be God. And knowing that he could take his time and whatever things it might be, but he's never delayed and he's never late. And in that place, we don't rush him. Let him show himself. Not a people that sit back and just want to receive from someone who is in the mountain and they want to receive in just seconds what someone has received through the process called waiting. There's a future in that. There's a hope in that. There's a growth. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Trust me, I have so many verses, but I'm going to stop there just to honor you. But I want you to Really examine your heart. I want you to really examine your life. <clears throat> I want you to see where you're at. I want you to even close your eyes if you want so you don't be, so you're not distracted. And this is what I would love for you to ask yourself, Am I hurrying God? Am I like Habakkuk, you know? Oh Lord, how much longer, I can't no more. Look at this. Look at my surroundings. Look at my circumstances, Lord. I feel like you don't listen to me. Come on. Well, then later on in chapter 3, it says, and then he, he waited quietly. Or maybe you feel like the children of Israel. My goodness, how much longer? And you run to things from your past. See, the, the Jewish people knew what it was to worship pagan gods. And perform pagan rituals because they were in Egypt for 400 years. So the moment that God puts them in the place of waiting, they go back to their old ways. How many of you have, are thinking about going back to an old way or to your old ways because because you're weak right now when you're waiting, and the Lord is reminding you, don't hurry me. Come on, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take your flapping. And you're gliding into soaring. Don't hurry me. Let me do a mighty work in you. Don't worry. I got a ram that is caught in the thicket. Don't hurry me. Go on. Be hopeful. We're going to sing a song over you today. And as we sing this song, if you're right there where God has you, then amen, worship him in freedom. But this is what I would want for you to do if you know that you need prayer and you need to come before the Lord. And you're saying I'm done, I'm done rushing God. I want to I learn to wait, love to wait. I want to endure patiently in this. I want to persevere. I want this maturity and this growth to develop in me. Until, until I see that ram. I don't want to live with the ram constantly in my mind. Just knowing that whenever he desires, there's a ram that is caught in a thicket for me. But that my, that my current focus would be faithful, faithful, faithful. Faithful walking up the mountain with that which is coming to walk up, even if even if I don't see it all, that I'd be faithful. So, if you need prayer today and you know God's dealing in your waiting, if you need prayer today and you know that some of this stuff or all of this stuff made sense to you, things, times moving fastly, th- things are happening quick and, and there's a lot of change, but yet all the, 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 the moments of the days that we live in has turned into how you do your relationship with God and your intimacy with God and your mountain dwelling with God and it's, it's interrupted all of that. Maybe you need prayer and say, I, I need a shift in my life today. We welcome you to come up as we sing and ask the Lord to fill you and we're going to ask his hand, his presence, his glory just to move over you today. And the rest of you, come on, let's worship the Lord for a few minutes and let's align our hearts with his word and let's ask for his glory just to fill us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.